3: All right, everybody. Here we are. Here we are. Square in twenty twenty three. Two oh
2: two three. I still can't. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, twenty twenty three. I remember writing nineteen ninety seven on Ziploc bags, and it just doesn't seem very long. It, it, I
1: mean, the older you get, the quicker it goes. I can tell you that for sure. Time flies. It does. Yeah. It does. Twenty twenty three, and here we are at the table talking about what our favorite stuff. My life management. Well, yeah. So, yeah,
3: and this week we're gonna. Uh, I think the topic is. Uh, it's just a fascinating subject to me. And this year, i have, We're gonna talk about couch. Yeah. And we've got a. Well, let me go ahead and introduce. We got John Collins on here, who's from Fox Pro, and we need to. Hit,
1: a lot the horns for him. The horns
3: for him, and I mean, this guy is a professional coat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, John, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing good, guys. How about you all? Well. Wonderful.
3: Yeah, we are. It, you know, we're right here, sandwiched in between some of these shows, so we got all this—the uh, pressure of having to travel and all that sort of stuff. Some of yeah, us yeah. do; others some, of us don't. I, so.
1: I mean, you know, yeah. Some of us got to stay here to finish deer season out. I mean, it's it's important for the brand. Yeah,
2: and the brain—you got—that's right. You got to have that release. If you don't, if you don't get outside at least once a week,
1: uh, yeah, especially or, this time of year. We'll be thinking about you, Bobby, when you're out there it, it, pounding the shows it, and hey, making it happen. Hopefully, hopefully, after his podcast is over, we'll still have you out there doing some coyote hunting instead of
4: always thinking about deer.
2: Yeah, well, that
3: sounds
4: good. That's what I'm here for. <clears throat> and yeah. we've
3: also got on the line is our own coyote hunter, Austin v. Delano. Austin Delano. Yeah, yep. And so Austin's done a lot of... No, nah, he's, he's been caught. after
1: him a long time. Yeah. He really has. Trapping and all that hey, kind of stuff. You know, Austin takes it personal, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so I want make sure he here.
5: was on there. So Austin, can uh, I've you? always felt a personal vendetta against him. He has from early childhood, I
1: believe.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like this year I'm seeing and hearing more coyotes than
1: ever. I know I'm getting a lot of pictures. Sure, are. Uh,
2: you know I finally got a few Spartan cameras out and figured out how to hit that button to get that video and all these pictures of one coyote. You hit the video button. It might end up being six or seven on there.
3: Oh, coming by in a pack. Yeah. 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 So Dudley had that video that we posted on our uh, Instagram page. of
1: That came from your farm? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't
3: tell him where it was. Yeah. All right. So, John, I'm, I'm, if you'll be patient with us, we got one more thing we got to knock out. Mac, this week's episode is brought to you by who? None other than the Gamekeeper Magazine.
2: Oh, yeah. Ooh,
1: I like that thing. Yeah. I've heard of that. I have yeah.
2: too.
3: So the winter issue yeah. is in the mail, right? Right now, the Maybe one with the
1: pintail on the cover. It, it
3: is. It may be arriving. It's uh, it it's uh, should be it in people's mailbox pretty soon
1: good good good
3: oh yeah a lot of
0: folks I think have been commenting and saying they received it and uh, really like it I mean in that magazine is just so useful I mean it's I mean it's a great read and it's really it's really cheap actually too and you can subscribe on com. yeah a
1: great looking book too you can leave it on the on the the coffee table there look there it is right there
3: 25 bucks for a subscription I mean that's you save 25% by doing it that way I I don't know why anybody wouldn't subscribe. Yeah, I know I would <laughs> Okay. Uh, John, you've seen the magazine. I know. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm familiar with
4: it for sure.
3: All right. So, Mac, thank you. Guys, if they want to subscribe, they can go to mossyoakgamekeeper.com. Okay. Mac mm-hmm. has got all the answers. Yeah, he does. He sure does. So
1: He's on game.
3: So, switching to John. John, but my first question for you is, do you pronounce it coyote or coyote?
2: Hmm.
4: I don't know what a coyote is. <laughs> <predictor>. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I think we're all in the same boat. Except for me, I've yeah. always
2: called him a coyote. My whole life,
1: he must he must be a Yankee. Yeah, he, I'm well. A, well he's was, he's Southern, But he does say Mississippi instead of Mississippi. Well, too, he was you know? very
3: influenced <laughs> by the uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons, evidently. Probably oh, so. Oh, that's probably that's where okay. it came yeah, that's, from. That's where his uh, <laughs> that's where it came from for him. So, John, just, let's start with this. Um, we're still deer hunting down here, but if a guy's sitting in a in a stand, you know, I see a lot of couch, but you just briefly see them most of the time. They're either they're either trotting or they're you know, standing still for just a brief second. But if right. one gets by you, is zero what did you? What would be your tactic to try to bring him back and maybe get a shot?
4: Well, I mean, you know, if you're you're in a tree stand and if you're somebody that would take the opportunity to take a coyote while you're deer hunting, um, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can do to call him back in. One, you can just use your mouth and do some lips squeaking. But you know, not all coyotes can hear it. It all depends on how far that coyote's off from you. But, uh, you know, as far as Fox Pro goes, the company, there's all kinds of stuff like we've got as far as mouth calls that you can put in a pack, that you can put in your jacket pocket, whatever, you know, closed read. We got mouth operated calls, hand calls, you know, mouth diaphragms, open read style calls, closed read style calls that you can make bird sounds, rabbit sounds, cocktail distress, baby cottontail sounds, jackrabbit sounds snowshoe sounds whatever you want to throw out there you think you might be able to call that coyote back up to you so what what do you do can you give us an example well you know (laughs) that's one thing about coyote hunting coyote is is there's a lot more to it than just blowing on a call most of the time uh and it certain times of year certain sounds will work a lot better but hey coyotes got to eat every single day right and one of their their big meals is a cottontail rabbit. You know, clear across the country, they love cottontail rabbits. So if I was on in a deer stand and I saw a coyote and want to get him closer, and if I had one of her hand calls in her pocket, I'd pull it out and try to make some baby cottontail sounds or adult cottontail sounds and get that uh, get that coyote close. You know, if you're if you're a archery hunter and you're running mouth calls, you can call them things up within feet. You know, I've I've killed coyotes at six steps before. Call them in six steps, nine steps, no telling how many under ten and twelve steps. Hmm. So it's no problem getting them close to you. So, like I said, if they're on their feet, say mid morning or something, where you're in a in a deer stand, they're probably still on their feet because they're still hungry. So throw some sound out there to them, see if you can't drag them on their in their clothes.
3: Lanny, when I when I think about that, uh, I mean, i I've I, this looks and sounds like something right up your alley. You you like getting things in close, critters in close. Well, I tell
1: you Inten- what, personally, the intensity it's, it's, of it—it's been uh, you know, I must have a, <clears throat> not a very good hunt ability for codes because I can't blink at them if they not they don't run off. You talk about shooting with a bow. I've been trying to shoot them with a bow my whole <laughs> life. Every time I look at my arrow, we gone. Yeah. So, but I, I had never tried to call them. You know, it's just been uh, by chance. But have you been working on your lip squeak? Uh, no, I have not. I'd like I, to I, hear it. I don't have a lip squeak. Uh, I've got a little handheld thing that I
3: have blow at them. I okay. killed a couple this year. I, I mean it seems like every time I go, I'm running into coyotes. But so, John, are, are they uh, are they bad about g- trying to
4: get the wind on you? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's uh, every move that a coyote makes is dictated by their nose. I mean everything while they're out uh looking for their family group searching for their family group they'll use their nose um looking for their next meal just moving from point a to point b everything a coyote does is dictated by its nose and they can man they can smell you that's one of the things too if a coyote is downwind of you your your hunt's over for that coyote i mean Mm -hmm. and of course they'll they'll circle that's the first thing they want to do they want to circle to the downwind side of that sound so it's one of those things you've got to be able to shoot them, get them killed before they do get downwind of you. It's it's over, and your chances of calling that coyote up in the future are very slim. It's almost like let's see it. I know you guys are mossy oak, and see it big old strut and gobbler right there behind you. Y'all know how tough it is if you mess up on a big long beard a time or two. What happens? It gets call shot, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, it's almost impossible to call that bird up. And, man, it's, it's almost ten times as bad with the coyote. The coyote's very smart. I'm sure all you guys have had dogs. You know, if you, uh, uh, you know, get on a dog for doing something wrong, you know, your tone of voice that you use to getting on a dog mm-hmm. or whatever, when you get that tone in your voice again, you'll see them dogs cow down. You know, they know they're in trouble. And uh, so, so they remember sounds. So if you mess up on a coyote with, a, say, a rabbit sound, and then, you know, weeks down the road you see a coyote out, and you try to blow on the same exact type of rabbit sound, make the same tones, you'll see that coyote cower and take off the other way. And guess what? That's probably the coyote you messed up on. Hmm. Wow. Dudley, you got a question?
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm down here in the south where we seem to just have trees everywhere. And uh, I see folks on these videos hunting coyotes, and I see a lot of open ground. Do you have any tips for us in the south um, to – you know, get your setup start up, started to where you are going to decrease your chance of getting smelled and all that stuff?
4: You know, a lot of it has to do, you know, if you're talking about purely coyote hunting, not doing it from a tree stand, you know, you're just going out trying to call coyotes. Mm-hmm. You know, just like anything else, scouting can really pay pay off for you. You need to know where those coyotes are at, where they like to cag up for the day, like to where they like to go at night to hunt, where you can catch them coming in from their – uh uh, feeding areas to where they where they bed up, all that stuff can come into play. So, I mean, scouting is is definitely key. <clears throat> you know, I guess you, you really got to decide whether you're going to daytime hunt them or nighttime hunt them. Uh, if you're going to daytime hunt them, get them scouted where you know they like to bed up for the day, and you'll go in and crowd those areas. Like if you've got a certain draw, a certain thicket, certain ridge top, whatever that these coyotes like to hold up in, you know, you'll get your wind right to approach – that area crowded get to throwing some sounds out there and uh, get those cows killed okay
2: i like that and i've like i said i've been getting them on my cameras a lot lately and uh i had never thought about it but there was a couple of areas where i was getting a lot more photos than others and it's just no different than the way we hunt deer you can you can scout them with your cameras and see which way they're going at different times of the day when they're coming and, out and you know thing. it's
4: a lot of people don't think about that with coyotes, about scouting them out with trail cameras. But you know, if you're seeing a pattern with coyotes on a trail camera, at uh, you know, take note of what time of day or time of night they're crossing through there, whether they're coming from left to right or right to left, all those type of things, and really give you a lot of information on what those coyotes are doing. And you just got to put it into play. Um, we was talking about it earlier before we got the podcast started. Coyotes are a very impressive animal when you really get down and get to study them. They're a very unique animal. They're a, they're, they are they're they and can be a very tough animal to hunt because they're so smart. So you need to take advantage of everything you can to, uh, you know, get you advantage on these coyotes.
3: So, John, when, in, late in the afternoon when we're deer hunting, we start right about dark. We start hearing them howl. Mm-hmm. It, what are they doing at that time? Are they trying to locate other coyotes
4: or what, what's going on there? That, you know, different times of year, they'll vocalize more and vocalize for different reasons. Like a lot of times, especially in the fall, uh, say those September through November time frame, those coyotes are still in their family group. Uh, They might not be like bedded up right together, but they're in a vicinity of each other, brothers and sisters and mom and dad, where they can hear each other. So a a lot of times what you'll hear is them waking up, getting ready to go out and start being coyotes for the evening. And they're just letting each other know where they're at. And a lot of times they aren't close to sanity. And a lot of times you'll hear, you know, it'll sound like 20, but it won't be but two, you know, or three at the most. So, you know, you might be thinking you're hearing a dozen coyotes, but it might just be a pair, if you know what I mean.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, man, I, I tell you, though, uh, as deer season winds down, I am very interested in trying to call some of these with an electronic call.
2: Yeah. I think
3: that would be a fantastically Mm -hmm. fun hunt. I'm looking at Lanny Hayden, would probably
1: just love that. Yeah, we should try it out for sure.
3: Yeah. So, can you kind of walk us through what a guy needs to kind of get into this electronic uh, coyote hunting business?
4: Well, I mean, uh, well, all you need is a call, really. I mean, as far as that, but you know, decide whether you're going to be hunting with a rifle, shotgun, or both, or you really want to get the. you know, get a challenge, pistols, or whatever, but, you know, most states, almost everything's legal to hunt them with, but, uh, you know, we've, Fox Pro, we've got a full lineup of electronic calls, you know, good starter units all the way up, and, uh, you know, to your higher end units. We've also got a great selection of hand and, and mouth calls, you know, if somebody's looking for a budget way to get in to see if they like it, we've got a lot of affordable options out there, so, you know, we've got everything from from your basic mouth diaphragm like you use for turkey hunting that you can howl on and make uh, different prey distresses all the way up to uh, uh, our electronic units with all the options, bells and whistles. And well I so- guess
2: you could use some of it, you know, some of all of them. You could have an electronic call sitting up on top of the hill that you're downwind of and have something in your mouth ready to go if if you need to get them to stop or something.
4: Right. That, and that's me. I, I take advantage of of all that you know i've got uh, open reads and closed reads in my pack i've got my electronic call out there and i've usually always got a mouth diaphragm a mouth that i can howl on or you do pup distresses kai eyes that type of stuff and you can use them together you know you can howl on a mouth diaphragm or open read and how answer yourself back with your e-call you can add a lot of realism doing it that way Oh, i'd like to answer
3: myself back oh yeah you do you're really good at that already yeah did and, you have a question well i
1: just you know i think this is for austin and john first help you know i think it'd be great to help our listeners understand the effects these coyotes can have on a whitetail population and uh what you know when they're most vulnerable in or turkeys the, or turkeys you know all of it so yeah throw that out to, to john and austin really well you know
4: i was talking about earlier before we got this started you know uh predator management is deer management. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying to manage a piece of ground for white tailed deer or turkey or both, or whatever you like to hunt, uh, if you don't have uh, predator control in place, you know, you're, you're not doing everything you can. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, probably the best times to coyote hunt, to try to control that population and really help out your deer herd and your turkey flock is to hunt them in late spring and in the summer, you know, your turkey seasons are out your deer seasons haven't come in yet you're probably chomping at the bit get out there and do a little bit of hunting most states are open 365 days a year Mm -hmm. so get out there in the summertime and try to call them they're actually very very susceptible to calling in the summertime now it's hot you know you're talking about hunting at night or hunting first thing in the morning or late in the evening or late in the afternoon but uh, during that time coyotes have uh They have their pups. You know, they've got pups in the ground. It's their denning season. And coyotes are a pretty paternal animal. They're big at protecting their, their young. And if you can go out there and play the right type of sounds, like what we like to do in late spring and summer, is play those small puppy sounds you know, find those, they're real easy to locate. They're very vocal that time of year. You can usually go out at night and let a howl out and you'll get a mom and dad to to answer you back. And sometimes you'll even hear a whole group of pups answer you back. So, you know, you've got a den located. You can crowd those areas and walk right, get real close to them, rip out a howl. They see it as a, uh, you know, as an intruder and then pull right in there with some baby puppy sounds, coyote puppy sounds. And man, you talking about some dynamic call ins? Them things will run you over. Mm-hmm. And plus, guess what else is going on there in the summer? You got ponds on the ground, right? Right. Guess what? One of the number one meals for a coyote pack is through the summer. Mm-hmm. They eat ponds. And same thing, you got little B.O. poachers, you know, poacher coming on in late, you know. In the summertime, they're all that stuff is easy meal for coyotes, and it's a really good time to, to hit them hard. So you're praying you're
3: you're sounding like some coyote pups, and you're trying to get those that mother or that father dog to, yeah. to, to come up there to that. So, is what is what you're? Of, they're susceptible to that.
4: a lot of times coyotes, apparent when a pair of coyotes is denning pups, sometimes they'll have what we call helper coyotes, so they will actually be more than just that mom and dad. There will be another old female that, that's dry that doesn't have pups or a subordinate male that's still part of the group that's an adult. So sometimes you can still be calling in three or four adult coyotes uh, sounding like a, a small bunch of puppies. They're very paternal, very protective, so they really come in. It's just I take it, for instance, say right there in the next room, guys, I'll set y'all hear a, hear a toddler gets a to squalling. One of you's probably going to jump up. If not, all of you go in there and see what the heck's going on. Right? That's a good point. Yeah.
3: Same thing that coyotes do. So, John, if you if you're playing those cottontails squealing, and you mm-hmm. and you mess up, you say you miss a coat. Say Dudley misses a coyote. That, that could
2: happen. Uh, that would so, probably be more like landing. So whoa, whoa, whoa!
3: Could you go back in a few weeks with a distressed wood or some other sound, and would that coat be susceptible
4: to that? That's exactly what I would do, I would go in there, set up in a total different location. Say if you're trying to hunt some small pasture field or whatever, uh, if that's the case, at least go up and sit on a different end of it. You know, hunt a different wind, be able to hunt a different side of it and play a total different set of sounds. If you didn't mess up with some cottontail rabbit sounds, do go in there and try to play some birds, some kind of woodpecker distress or something like that, or use coyote vocals, your howls, pup distresses, coyote fights all that type of stuff can be very, uh, you know, very effective.
3: Yeah. Austin, did you want to chime in on what Lanny's question there?
5: Yeah. I mean, they, they certainly have a, a major impact on, on wildlife, uh, particularly the ones that we're all fond of hunting. And, you know, there's some great studies and research that has been out there done that just shows just how much of a cow's diet that, that fawns make up, you know, during the, during the late spring going into the summer. Um, I mean, they, they target them pretty heavily, and it's, it's pretty evident if you go out and scout roads, you know, just look at their scat, you can, you can find out real quick what they're eating. And, in uh, you know, May, June, July, and even September, it's pretty often that you're going to find little fallen hoofs and stuff that just shows you what what they've been eating on. So it's <clears throat> never a bad time to kill coyotes, but that's probably one of the best times if you're in an area that um, maybe you've got low deer numbers and you're trying to help them out, and I wrote an article a long time ago about coyote hunting and, and trapping and, and its effects on, on our wildlife. And one thing I've always said is, you know, we're not ever going to kill coyotes out. You haven't tried to do that years ago and showed you can't do it. Um, nobody wants to, they're an important part of the, of the, the whole cycle, but mm-hmm. nobody wants a coyote doing their deer management for them. You know, we want to be the one making the decisions on what deer get killed as much as possible. So, um, definitely want to get out there and hunt them and trap them, you know, as much as you can. And, um, it's fun. You know, every, if you know me, you know, I'm a coyote junkie, I'd rather coyote hunting than just about anything. And so it's a, it's a really fun sport to get into. And, um, you know, it's, it's one you can do in just about any kind of weather. Um, like i talking about summer, spring, fall, I've got favorite times to go, but most every state is, extremely liberal on their coyote seasons and the type of weapons you can use and um you know i, I spend more time pouring over maps and wind directions on coyotes than i do trying to hunt big deer because hmm. they're so smart they learn from every situation everything that's ever happened to them they don't forget it and that's why i've always been such a, a You junkie just calling them up and trapping them is to me they are the smartest critter out there you're trying to get one of the smartest critters that got put on the earth, especially in the US, to put his call on something the size of a fifty cent piece. If you're trapping them or call them into a certain spot, if you're using calls, and if you do that and you beat them at it, man, it's it's one of the best feelings in the world. It's just like killing an old, you know, four or five year old gobbler you've been after forever. It's like you know, shit, <laughs> match, you know, nothing like. it. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Care- careful now. Yeah, huh? <laughs>
2: Based on the popularity of this sport, uh, oh, yeah, you know, Austin has a really good point. Yeah.
3: So, so, guys, Toxie just joined us, walked in. And so, I, I want to look at him real quick. And now, Toxie, as much as you turkey hunt, how you can think? I, I bet a bunch of times you've been sitting there calling to a turkey a coyote has snuck in on you. But, oh,
6: yeah. I mean, in fact, um, one thing I was going to say, I'm here mostly to listen today because I love this subject. I'm fascinated with it. And I need to learn a lot more. Um, the first thing I would say that jumps in my mind, one story was, and try to be brief about maybe 10 years ago, eight years, I can't remember how long ago, uh, as you know, one of our longest existing relationships was the guys at Bent Creek. They've Mm -hmm. got a deer lodge that's been super popular and still is for 30 years, I guess, or more great guys, great friends, so loyal, the best at it I've ever seen, and so they were... Less deer, seeing less deer, seeing less deer. What's wrong? Uh, you know, they didn't know. So one of them, Johnny's um, pretty prominent Auburn alumni, and he engaged Auburn in a study with the students and grad assistants and all that. Uh, couldn't put their finger on it, brought some more in, thought they figured out, uh-oh, this might be it. So after I think the second year they validated, they were losing seventy five percent of their fawns to coats. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Sure that's is. Insane. That's how, that- when, and I mean not to not to be Debbie Downer on coats, but that's out of balance. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> out of balance. So I just that's how great. And then you know they didn't really know what was going on. They're so, you know, they're so like a vapor in a whispering of the night. I know. When the phones were dropping at our farm here, we hear, I mean, I can remember a couple of times when they were younger, the, uh, Neil especially with sleep, and Mac might have been with him, sleeping on that sleeping porch. And That's he said it was normal. awful. Oh, man, two different. You could hear the uh, phones just screaming as coats ran around and caught them. You know, oh, so They just, yeah. Um, you remember that, Mac? I can tell. The second thing I was going to say, since we've had a concerted, and I haven't been doing it here, and we need to, but I can only do so much. But we have had a concerted, and we've got a really, really good, uh, very knowledgeable, just a great, classy, wonderful, trustworthy guy in Alabama. It's a friend, and he traps them every year. And so this is probably going to be the fifth year we're going to do it again. And he goes after nest predators too, but he's also really good at coach bobcats, so to speak. And I can tell every year, for the first time in twenty five years, I could say year over year improvements in just the that kind of the attitude of our wildlife. You just see more wildlife. You see every deer you run into in a vehicle doesn't just or walk and doesn't just you know charge away like it you know someone's uh, uh, evil demons after. I mean everything. You just see more wildlife. We're producing more wildlife. We're seeing more phones. Uh, we're we actually hatching more turkeys. He's Twice, show me pictures of, um, um, where he caught coats right by where they just had a, and they actually had had it in its mouth with the remnants of it. Caught uh, both times it was a Jake, hmm. where they've catched turkeys, so don't think they don't do that too. Hmm. So it the, the long and short of is they just put so much pressure on your animals. They're, they it, the last thing I'll say was what I was going to say first. It's like Bob Dixon. God rest his soul, gave us so much knowledge and wisdom and so many funny one-liners and just the the greatest wit probably ever passed through the halls of Monse Oakman. But he used to say that coyotes were the slickest thing on four wheels. And he was right.
3: (laughs) John, I think you'd agree with that.
6: Yeah. I totally I totally agree with
4: that. And just to go right off what Toxie is saying, you know, a coyote is either committing an act of depredation or he's thinking about committing an act of depredation <laughs> he's kind of like Atlantic. <laughs> yeah. I, that's just how it is that's what they do you know coyotes are here to uh to kill stuff eat it make babies that's you know, what they're here to do
6: well I, i've and, even i can't even remember like but i've you've killed i've killed you know when i bow hunted a lot harder when i was younger and could stand up to the rigors of it uh i've killed several quite few and I but i can remember the first thing i shot i think a predator was a bobcat and then a fox and it may be a bobcat or two. And I can always remember they were easing through the woods and like a little tiny sound, you know. Lip squeak. Whistle. Any tiny little noise, and the first thing a bobcat's going to do is just stop and not even move a muscle to, to wait and figure out what it was. So the first time I tried that on a coyote, and the second time I tried I mean, and I'm talking about a barely audible sound. It was like I had painted his tail with turpentine. <laughs> <laughs> they don't wait around to see what it is. They're just—they're so smart that it's some kind of foreign noise. Even when I tried to sound like a, a bird or something, so I learned the hard way. If you're going to shoot at one, you, if they're trotting or whatever, you better just take your shot. Wow, mm. yeah. I can't, you can't stop them. They just—unless it maybe it's an area that they have had no pressure at all—that they are so slick.
3: So, so, John, give us some tips. Um, uh, so we're, we're two different type of hunters. We're guys that are in tree stands and we're deer hunting. And we, we ask you this early on, but I would really like you to get specific as to what, you, you, what kind of call you would use and when you would use it, how you would use it. But uh, uh, if you saw a coat slipping through the woods I and mean, he's not close enough to you or he got in some thicket, got in a thicket, how would you try to bring him back? What goes through your mind?
4: So you're saying if I'm in a tree stand or ground blind, I'm deer hunting.
3: Yeah, that's right. And you see a big old black coyote that he got across the lane and you were like, man, I want to What's shoot there? that thing. How do, that I, how do you get him back?
4: Well, you know, at all, you got to tell yourself, you know, you still want to try to call that coyote and still try to, you know, I guess, preserve the hunt, so to speak, where you can still have, keep deer hunting after you put an arrow or whatever in that coyote, Um <laughs> You know, if you didn't want to blow out every deer in the, in the country, I would stick to some type of light prey distress. Like I said, you know, Toxie was talking about lip squeaking and all that. You can call coyotes in lip squeaking at them, you know, just making kissy noises with your mouth or, you know, on your hand or whatever. They can come running up, kind of sound like a field mouse or a, a bowl or something like that. We need, we need an example. Yeah. Can you, can do, you do that? Do the, can you
1: the the show? Show? Coyote, kiki, catch a fly down. Oh, there it is. Hang on. Hit again. Sorry.
6: It's like the recording.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good.
6: Stuff like that
4: right there. That can call that will call coyotes in and we'll call bobcats as well. But if you you know, that's kind of limited in range, that won't reach out for yeah. 100 yards or whatever. So, you know, like I was talking about earlier, as far as hand calls and mouth diaphragms, you know, you can take any closed read call or open read or a mouth diaphragm, keep it in your pocket or your vest uh, safety harness or backpack or whatever. I suggest carrying one of them around. Something that you can make multiple sounds with. Open read calls are very good for that. You can howl on them. You can make bird sounds. You can make rabbit sounds. You can make coyote pup distress sounds. I suggest carrying one of them. And the first thing I would do is let out some kind of just rabbit squall type noises. And hopefully that'll drag you in. If that don't work, you can start you know, hitting the tail end or the back end of that uh, open recall, making uh, pup distresses, and see if that'll call him in. So you got two different sounds right there you can throw at them. I necessarily, if I was in a standstill deer hunt, I probably wouldn't rip out a big old howl, you know, because that's probably gonna put all your deer on on alert. But all those type of sounds are natural sounds in the woods. So I mean, you're not actually blowing everything up when you do that type of
1: stuff. I think my body might go into convulsions if I put a diaphragm call in my mouth and try <laughs> to make a call other than a turkey.
3: So, John, specifically, what I was hoping you would say is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit that for ten seconds and then shut yeah, up. Okay. Yeah. It, it, or, okay. or
4: is it longer than that? How, how long does it take to? And <laughs> you, it can be ten seconds if if you can see him and you blow on it for ten seconds, he's liable to start coming and running right in. It's just ever. You know, it's kind of a hard question to answer because it's so situational. You know what I mean? If you're just ready to give up your deer hunt and do everything you can to kill that coyote, yeah, I would probably blow on that uh, uh, mouth diaphragm or that open reed collar for five, six, seven minutes trying to blow some rabbit distress to get it coming. Yeah. You know, if you're wanting to just give up your hunt to try to kill that coyote, there's a ton of stuff you can do. I'd call for the next 15, 20, 25 minutes trying to get him in there. Hmm. Can you give well, us some examples? Of, can you and, give us some and examples? And I can break it down on. for you if, if you wanted. You know, Yeah, I would love it. to hear this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I'd love to hear well, it. Give, give me a time frame. you got to give me a month because sound sequences and stuff change a lot. Well, we're deer, can, we're
1: deer hunting. It's so complicated.
4: It's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's late. Well, let's say <laughs> right now. but in the Yeah, late, right now. Yeah. I'll
6: go February because February is a time when we've got some time. where We're That's out looking for something to do. Mm-hmm yeah okay february one thing about february across the country for coyotes
4: are actually mating up it's the breeding season for coyotes mm. so howls female whimpers which is a breeding style uh, breeding type sound all those type of sounds are going to be very effective i'm just going to give up that deer hunt try to get that coyote in and say i've got uh, open reed collar on me i'm going to rip out two or three howls wait two or three minutes, see if he'll show up to that or answer back. If he doesn't show up, I'm going to go ahead and just start playing. uh, uh, I'm going to skip the rabbit. I'm going to go ahead and start just playing different series of kai's and pup distresses, just like, say, 30 seconds to a minute-long series of that to get him to come in. And I'll probably just keep doing that off and on until he does show up and I get an arrow it.
1: Have you got a howler there? You can give us a little series breakdown there.
4: I, you like the same, the actual. Gear yeah, the I same. want to hear it. <laughs> I would if I had the, uh, if I had a, a <laughs> diaphragm or a, or a howler on me. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you can put Fox Pro
2: and Coyote in the search box, and there are all kinds of things you can watch and learn from. Hmm. I mean, cool. it's like a whole different world. Um, it there's is. There's folks that are just hardcore, that's their favorite thing to do. <clears throat> and then there's a lot of folks that, you know, they should be doing that. Yeah. I mean,
3: Toxie, have you had any experience with electronic collar? A little bit. What, was it? Have, yes. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing how it, well it, it works. It
6: can be, yes. I mean, and, and like you said, there's, there's so many variables as like, did you get to where you are without anyone noticing? Where is the cover? Where is the wind? Where are they coming from? I feel like exactly. from my, exactly. my minor experience is that, the first thing in his mind when anything kind of alerts him at all is getting downwind of it so if you're already close to downwind you might not might not work out so good so you just don't know when you're hunting and you have no idea where they might be I do remember first time ever that they had sent me one to try and I was going to uh, pick up somebody from deer hunting and I left early because I'd shot a doe and I just remember getting back, and I had an electric golf cart there, and I said, "I'm just going to put that thing out in the road just for the heck of it, and, and uh, play it." And did, and uh, nothing happened. I was watching down the long road; I could see nothing happened, and maybe one five minutes later, I heard a stick crack. I looked to my right, and there was a coat like ten yards from me that had come in, just come around behind it. And of course, it blew out of there. I spooked it. I was like, "Goodness gracious, that really worked!" Yeah,
2: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah.
4: right.
6: Just and going back to what you guys are asking me, for me
4: personally, if I was in a tree stand, see some coyotes out there, you know, about half the time when I'm deer hunting, I'm always kind of trying to want, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, man, ain't no deer out here. Wonder what the coyotes are doing. I bet I could burn the coyotes up this morning. Yep. So if I see coyotes, it it kind of tugs on me to climb out of the tree stand. Anyway, I'm not going to call to them from the tree. You know, if I if I see coyotes or hear coyotes, I'm I'm talked into going after them pretty easily. So I'm actually. I'm going to go back to the truck, switch up gear. I'm getting my e-call out and I'm going to go back in there and start calling them. And, uh, and then my sound sequence totally changes. Like if it is fe- that February time frame, I might play a little bit of rabbit in, but I'm going to let my e-call do the work. You know, I'm going to rip out something, you know, try to figure out where I think that coyote's going, make sure my wind's going to be right for that spot where I think they're going to go CAG up. in. like I was talking about earlier, you go in there and crowd that area. Then I'll let out a, say a series of howls which will consist of three to five howls i'll wait a few minutes one to even up to three or four minutes just to see if that coyote will respond to that if he doesn't come to the house i'll play some type of uh, one of my favorite type of cottontail distress sounds or something like that and that's the thing we've got dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens we got hundreds of different sound files so we got all kinds of stuff to choose from but then i'll play a, i'll play a rabbit distress for you know, uh, four to six minutes, if nothing shows up, I'll start playing series of those uh, female whimpers, some other type of breeding type sounds, uh, submissive sounds, you know, a coyotes language, they got all kinds of uh, vocalizations that they use with one another and anything can, you know, I shouldn't say anything, but a lot of those will call coyotes up any month out of the year, but like I said, February is kind of that breeding type breeding season time. So I'm gonna be pretty, uh, female whimpers is a breeding sound going to be pretty heavy with that mixing in some light pup distress like a couple of them's getting in a fight and i'm going to be closing that standoff if nothing shows up with the actual all-out coyote fight and you all can go to our website and see that stuff we've got several different coyote fights and it's just snarling and coyotes crying and it sounds horrible i mean it sounds like something is in there and shut them up and that's what usually what happens you usually get a pair of coyotes hard charging in and uh it's pretty dynamic, and that's the thing. I'm going to warn you guys on this too, about coyote hunting. It will get into your blood. I've seen many a hardcore deer hunter start deer hunting a lot less and chasing coyotes a lot more. So I'm just hmm. going to put that out there to warn you a little bit.
2: It sounds like I mean I'll, I'll be the first to admit I'm I'm not a hardcore coyote hunter. But uh, as much as I love turkey hunting, yeah, um, and turkey hunting for me is you know one and a half months out of the year but uh if i can be brim fishing with my buddies in july and we get done eating and say hey let's let's go try to call call up some predators i mean that that sounds like more turkey hunting to me <laughs> it, it,
6: it absolutely totally appeals to me in so many ways and the only thing holding me back is just more knowledge one yeah, reason I'd i agree. In here to be Sure, and listen, not just talk, but listen today is cause I want to know more. I think that holds back most people from just diving in is that the average hunting guy's pretty savvy and he realizes he can't just go out there code hunting. He needs to be armed with some more right. knowledge. And I would dilly hit on him and go, if you just go to foxpro.com and you or i'm sure youtube it's like a i mean you can get educated quick better today than going to any seminar just by going online mm-hmm.
3: so john what about these uh these little decoys i see that uh, that uh, they, they look like they just kind of spin and wobble that looks like that would really
4: take the mind when one's coming in it, it it does we were actually just i just got back when you guys first started emailing me i was actually just past week i was in missouri and that's what we was doing i traveled to missouri making we was filming for fox pro hunting tv filming coyote stands and we were using one of our units uh x24 with what we call the x decoy sitting right on top of that unit and man we had the coyotes come in trying to bite that topper what you was talking about the thing that spins around have a little bit of fur have some color to it look like a woodpecker or a a uh, piece of rabbit fur or whatever. And we had coyotes coming there trying to snatch that thing right off the top of the call. We actually, the last stand we made before I headed back to Kentucky, my home state, is we called in a pair of coyotes, male and a female, probably a breeding pair, just like what we was talking about earlier. First one come running in, come right up to the call, actually bit at it, ran did a 360 around it, and we shot, pow, hit the coyote, killed him three steps from the call. Switch sounds up, went to a pup distress since we knocked the first coyote down. Here comes the second one running right back in. Eight steps from the call. Two hard charging coyotes killed within feet of the call. And it's very fast paced hunting, very exciting. It's, it, those decoys really work. Now i tell you with the decoys, you better be ready to shoot one on a run because they've already got, they've already heard that sound. They think something's dying or something's in trouble. They come rushing in, then they get that visual. They're locked in, just like you said. You can almost stand up on them at times when they get get locked into a call and, and a decoy situation. It can really, really make for some dynamic coyote call-ins and bobcats too. Bobcats really like a motion type decoy to come in, come on into them. You
5: well, know, one thing I think worth mentioning is, you know, when you when you're going to set up let's say you're going to go call coyotes specifically we're not talking about hunting them out of a deer stand but if you're going to go call coyotes somewhere you know i I approach it just like every thicket every block of wood every ditch can potentially hold coyotes so when you're going to set up somewhere you got to keep that in mind uh if you're a turkey hunter think about it like every piece of ground that there's some timber or brush in could have a could have a long beard in there. You're not going to go charging through every bit. Go call one field. So make sure you're not stomping through a bunch of good coyote habitat to go call a field just because the wind seems right for it. So you got to think about it a little bit more broadly than that because you'll get lucky every once in a while, but if you want to consistently call them up, you got to think about everywhere you're going to park the truck out, how you're going to get into the certain field, and you know that's one I've always been a huge fan of hand calls. And I love using them, but one of the biggest advantages, like we're talking about of using electronic calls, is getting the sound out away from the caller. Because if you spent much time doing it, sometimes you will have, like Tati's talking about, that Coyote just running on top of you. I have had Coyotes come from five, six, eight hundred yards out, and you haven't blown a call in ten minutes, and they will go to the exact spot where they heard that sound coming from. I mean, they can pinpoint it uncannily. So you, you've got to be able sometimes to get the sound out away from you. That way you might have to make a little bit of an adjustment in how you're set up to get the coyote killed. Or if you call in a double, you call in a triple, and you've got multiple shooters to be able to get all the coyotes killed. Um, having that electronic call, even if it's just 50, 60, 80 yards away from you, especially with a decoy right there beside it, if they come from a long way away, and they pinpoint on that sound, it takes the pressure off of you needing to move a little bit or something to make an adjustment. So that's one of the biggest advantages to the electronic call sometimes is being able to get the sound away from the caller, you know, where it's coming from. That way you can you can get a good kill because so many times they'll come blowing out a brush really close to you. And another thing, if you're setting up to call coyotes, uh, don't turn that volume up all the way. If you're in a tight field and – there might be a cow that's less than 100 yards away. You don't want to have that sucker on full volume. Just give it a little bit of light, calling, shut it off in the first minute, see what responds. If nothing comes in two or three minutes later, go at it again. But you don't want to blow the whole woods out with high volume right when you get started. And, you know, I hunt a ton of row crop fields, cotton fields, corn fields, they're all cut, they're low to the ground this time of year. If I don't have a great wind, I'll make sure my wind is blowing out into those fields. That way, when a coyote responds, he's got to get out in a big, wide-open field before he can catch my wind. And by that time, I'm going to either stop him or try to kill him on the run because, like we were talking about earlier, they will 99% of the time, if they're coming into a call, try to come in downwind if they've got the time to do it. So pay attention to how you set up because there's so many times a guy's going to get out there and try to call up a coyote, and he probably does but he never sees it because he didn't set up right. So there's a lot of thinking that's got to go into it if you want to be able to call him in and kill him consistently.
3: Yeah, that's some good stuff. Sounds fun. So, uh, John, uh, can you talk about, and we'll get Austin's thoughts on this as well, is there a rifle caliber that you guys prefer that you think is the best one if you're just specifically hunting for a couch?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely stuff that's better than other more suited for coyote hunting you know if you're somebody that's got you know a lot of deer hunters and you just have deer rifles of course all your deer rifles won't kill a coyote right but if you wanted a uh you know predator specific type caliber your 223s 22 250s 243s six creeds all that stuff and that uh that range, or man, they're they're great. I mean, they'll knock down every couch every walk. So, and you know, one thing is, there's no sense of going out there and shooting a seven millimeter magnum. It's going to, you know, twist your chin off every time you shoot it. When you can shoot something like a twenty-two two fifty, that you know, you don't hardly feel any recoil. So you might as well shoot something a little bit lighter. They're going twenty two two fifties going to kill them just as quick as a three hundred ten twister. So,
6: chin twister. Huh? Well, I'm like thinking that. more about a shoulder blade breaker too. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about my pocket right.
2: my pocket book. I, I'll probably reach for some two twenty three. You know, sir, I yes, would sorry. bet you Pretty most big most, big
6: most yeah most reasonable deer uh, rifles. You would just have a different ca- you know a different load specific to that. It might be faster, flatter, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, not as you know not as heavy. And have the same rifle potentially, if it's not sure. a big, big deer rifle. Yeah.
3: So, Tasha, when you're turkey hunting and you and you yelp and you see a coyote at a distance, does it turn into a coyote hunt at that point?
6: Not much, because I'm usually if I'm on turkeys, I'm I'm on turkey. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> I'm not like you said that I might deer hunt or anything else, but not turkey hunting. I wouldn't sacrifice the hunt now. What I was going to tell you, there is, I do have one story hunting with Daddy about five or six years ago. And, uh, in fact, he was with uh, one of the guys that's worked for us for that was close. Gary was sitting with him. Mm-hmm. So I was back behind him, and I really couldn't see him. I was in some CRP that was kind of thick. They were in the edge of some open woods. But I was back behind them, say 50 yards, calling, trying to be you know out of sight. And I looked up, and here's a coyote coming right to me down an old road that was through there. And of course the turkeys got them out in front of them and I didn't want to spook the turkey back over, I mean the coach back over the turkeys. And I didn't want to, so I just didn't do anything and it kept coming up the road towards me and it got like maybe less than 10 yards. So I pulled my hat off and discreetly, of course immediately it stopped, looked right at me and I waved my hat at it. Cause I thought, you know, where it is now it'll bolt the opposite direction and won't mess anything up. And it just kept looking at me and I waved my hat again. And it just put its head down low to the ground and started coming closer. Oh, no. Yeah. And so, anyway, then I, I got both my hands and I kind of got off. I was laying down. I kind of got up to try to get up on my knees to look a little bigger. And it stopped and looked at me again. It looked over its shoulder. Here comes another one. Ooh. And it's to the right. And it's gets over here maybe 90 degrees to the other one. And they're both within 10 yards. And they're not running off. And so I'm getting nervous. And I didn't have a gun either. Obviously, I'm calling for my dad. I have no gun or anything. And so here comes the third one. and goes all the way around the second one. One's right in front of me. One's 90 degrees. This one's circling just past the one that's 90 degrees. And it's coming around behind me. And all of a sudden hits my wind. Thank goodness. And bolts and runs off. The one to the right bolts and runs off. And the one that came up first looking at me just keeps looking at me like that. And just kind of walked off disgusted to join the other ones. And I don't know what would have happened. Hmm. Oh, wow. What do you, John? What do you think would have happened? As you better picked up a, sh- a sharp stick. Get to poking. <laughs> I mean, I
1: you must have looked delicious.
6: Yeah, I mean, well, I sounded—I guess I sounded. Yeah, delicious. no, you sounded you know, delicious. Right. And but if I you were had,
1: low too. You know they could see yeah, their movement. I mean,
6: I made sure they knew and I was Of a course, hero, you were I mean. camouflaged. I mean, there's no way they could have seen.
1: Any <laughs> I mean, other like, part of that.
6: <laughs> but these guess, are coyotes that are never harassed, never hunted are around. It's right on the city limits of town, and I feel like they're more dangerous than. Stuff that's been hunted a lot and has been harassed and are really, really wild. These mm-hmm. were not. In in fact, you know, we've not shot them out there, but you know, in the day Daddy was able to drive out there to look at his farm all the time, he constantly tell about seeing coyotes, just standing there watching him drive by in his truck, you know.
3: Hey, John, let me ask you this while we're, before I, before I forget, uh, do you, as much as you travel around, do you encounter wolves at all in any of these northern states or anything?
4: Did you ask if I encounter wolves? Yes. I, I have in the Northwest. Um, I've heard them at night. I've come across their tracks, but I've never, I've never personally called a wolf up or had that face-to-face encounter. Now, um, the GM of Fox Pro, um, Mike Dillon, and uh, another uh, employee, uh, Al Morris, was in Montana. I think it was two years ago making coyote stands. Guess what? Great big old wolf met up with them face to face. So they can be caught in for sure. Hmm. They're out there. What about the old coy wolf? You know, I've heard about coy wolves my whole life and you know, I'm sure it's, it's possible that that they mix. You hear about that coy wolves, coy dogs, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I'm hunting coyotes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How I I saw. I'm not a biologist that can tell you, you know, what percentage is, you know, wolves and coyotes and stuff like that. But, you know, you do hear that term for sure. So I
3: saw on one of your uh, YouTube, that uh, you got real excited about killing a black coyote. Or is, did
4: that happen very often? In some states, uh, southeastern states, uh, they can be common. Not overly common, but you hardly ever see them like west of the Mississippi. Seem like guys in Oklahoma will get on uh, some black ones every once in a while. But all the other states – west of mississippi you hardly ever hear it you'll i might kill one a year if that tells you anything and the only state i've ever killed them in is in kentucky i do know south carolina has several i think mississippi has some yeah they're not uh, that terribly uncommon around here right now so you could go to and i think virginia's got a lot some of those carolinas virginia kentucky tennessee and down are in your all's area i think they can be common but in a lot of states, you'll never see them. You'll never see a black one in Wyoming or Colorado or Montana, those type of states. So black ones for for us is a treat. I always call them the the Boone and Crockett of the coyote world because uh, they are rare. They are, you know, it's a melan, melanistic
6: coyote. Is what it is? We we just from trail cameras, we we see them more and more. That's two yep. for sure. Two different ones were here. One of them got shot for sure. Two on our farms in Alabama, and one of those got shot. Tom killed it. So, it, but it seems you know, when you doing... yeah, went from never seeing one to seeing one, and then say five years ago. And then last year, I know of four different ones. Well, two of those yeah. are dead, but
4: yeah, it seems like if you've got an area that has black coyotes year after year after year, you'll seem like you'll have one or two uh, black ones that'll be in the area. It's almost like, you can have a whole family group of coyotes. Say that that female coyote has a group of three, four, five coyotes. Um, if they're in that area, it seems like there'll be maybe one out of that litter every year that's black. And the rest of them will be regular colored coyotes.
6: You know, they say it's a mutation, just like the pieball deer thing. But yeah, there are certain areas that are just consistently people see more pieball deer than others. And right. so there's got to be something genetic about it. Yes, so- sir.
3: So, John, I've just got one more question and I'm going to let the rest of these guys ask. And I've kind of gone through my whole list here, but when you talk about cows denning up, are they denning in the ground? Somewhere? Are they digging into a creek bank? Or- a lot of times
4: they will. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, we've found dens that's just in a, uh, say, a blackberry bush on the edge of a hay field or something or a pasture field. But a lot of times they want to put those pups in the ground, especially at those early stages of pup life um that's about the only time they actually use a den you know late summer through february they're they're not using a den but come march time when they're fixing think, starting to have pups or thinking about having pups they'll go in and start cleaning those den sites out and uh, when they're ready to to drop them yeah they'll they'll actually put them in the ground a lot of the coyotes will
6: i see so many ho- they're, they're, ho- they're, see- a, they're a cool animal they really are when you really get to digging down oh, yeah. and
4: learning about them they're a neat neat animal
6: I wish I knew there's so many holes in the ground around here and even all these places. And you see them all the time in fresh dirt being dug out of them. I just, how do you know it might be? I guess you could see if there's enough fresh dirt to see a track that would give it away. But mm-hmm. I never do. And looking at them, what, what it actually is and what right. could there be mm-hmm. besides cows? I guess armadillas, foxes, maybe. Yeah, maybe.
4: <clears throat> I don't- They'll take over a fox. Say a fox dug a hole, had a fox den. You know they'll they'll take those over. They'll do it in brush piles. Like I said, I have seen it uh, just right out there. Not a hole. Just have them right out there in an open field. Even
6: yeah, we used to have I a seen them lot several of...
4: times on a pond dam.
6: Yeah, I'm used. To, we used to have a lot more foxes than when I was a kid. They were everywhere. I never, I don't rarely see them much anymore. I don't know if coyotes had anything to do with that or not.
4: They probably did. Yeah, I say coyotes have pushed them out. But they actually probably killed them.
6: John, you have you ever
1: question? eaten a coyote? I was going to ask no, that. Y'all no. taking all my questions.
6: Now, now Dudley's saying coyote.
4: Well, I feel you're like. you're
1: saying I, coyote. I, I feel like yeah. that will be picked
4: on. Or so <laughs> just it. like our kids, our grandkids, like cowodies. Uh,
1: yeah.
4: I've never ate coyote, but I have ate bobcat. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I've heard.
1: I've heard. I've eaten a little bit of coat. Yeah.
2: What, what Was that at a trade show? Somebody yeah, brought
1: our, us some our buddy jerky. Jeremiah. Jeremiah Doty. Yeah. yeah. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if uh,
4: huh. I'll probably go make some coyote stands this afternoon or tomorrow morning before I hit to ATA. If I kill a couple, I'll cut the back straps out and bring them to you boys. This <laughs> yeah. Hey,
1: give them to
6: Jeremiah.
4: Yeah, Bobby said he wanted some. <laughs> You're going to
6: have to overnight air them to me because I won't be there. Yeah. <laughs> Not this time.
3: I still can't taste anything, so I'm in good shape. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, John, we've enjoyed having you oh, on man. here. Oh, uh, look. Oh, do it anybody, it again, Yeah, yeah, do yeah it again. I, I, we will do it again. And uh, Lanny,
1: did you have a question before we let him off? And no, no, I, I was so, gonna ask about you know the eat
4: stuff. So, so uh, John, before we hey, let you go off, just to go off what you said, or you know, I heard uh, talks he was talking about the education. Yes, of yes, the thing is, there is, there is, their cows can easily be called in at times at certain times of year, but they. It, there is a lot more to it than just, say, setting an electronic call out there and pushing a button. Coyotes come running from every direction and you kill them. There is a lot of stuff that can really increase your odds. I mean, we can talk about, we could come on here every month and talk about different stuff because we'll use different types of sounds, different types of sound sequences all the way, all, you know, all through the year. You know, like what I'm running this week, I might not be running the same type of sounds and sequences two weeks from now. and and it'll change almost every month sometimes from week to week uh the different style setups that i'll use in different parts of the year different times of year different parts of the country it's just such a situational uh type type hunt it's uh there's a lot of education Uh, a lot of people need to be educated on it and and just like Toxie is saying you know on our YouTube channel, stuff like that, we try to try to educate people as much as we can because we want to see people be successful with our product. You know, we don't want to sell you a product and you struggle with it. We want you to go out there and be able to kill these coyotes, bobcats, foxes, whatever you're after. So, tune into these type podcasts, the Gamekeepers Podcast. Go check us out on YouTube and all that type of stuff. We can really help educate you on predator hunting and really up your
6: odds. Yeah, no, that's was- great. Yeah, I just had one other. this is my most gamekeeper hot tip of the week. So for perspective, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about predators. I'm a big fan of someone who can trap or hunt and, uh, you know, bring that back in balance, so to speak. It doesn't, you know, I'm not trying to wipe anything out. But uh, my tip is there's so many I'm trying to recruit people because I don't want to just, you know, have my place better. We're here for this whole country to get better in the wildlife so and we're recruiting people to do good things uh, it'd be planting trees it could be planting native plants it could be doing whatever but you know being we need the point i'm getting at we need more people predator hunters we need to grow the sport it's been going along a long time and it's getting more and more popular but i was going to say i saw bob again to use his name because he gave us so much do it a few times uh, he could, if he was still alive, he'd probably have a whole band of it out there, but he would use the fact that he did some predator hunting to get on people's property to hunt. Is as, as hard as it is and as expensive it is for people to find hunting places today? I would tell there are some people out there that could learn and get good at this, offer up, could be someone with a cattle farm, someone just doesn't like them on their place or whatever. You may gain access to some great hunting just by doing the predator hunting for someone so especially for deer hunting and if that's the case i would say get good at it and was it hard to knock on the doors or you you know people in your area that it might gain you some hunting property and as expensive as hunting leases in i would say that would be a bargain
4: excellent point yeah it sure is. is 100% One hundred percent the truth. I mean, it I would, would
6: make a difference to me. Now I'm not big on granting permission. Let's face it; they're laughing about like that. <laughs> but I can tell you, if you wanted to, <laughs> yeah, tra- I was
2: going to say, can I go?
6: Yeah. Go kill but, some? Well, I'll say, if you wanted to turn my head in that direction, the number one thing you could do would be trapping or predator hunting. Yeah,
3: yeah, no, that's good for sure. Really good point. So, John, before we let you go, we always ask our guest a uh, a trivia question, and if you of get course. this right, well, if you get this right. Uh, one of our listeners who has left a review will win a prize. So I'm going to turn it over to Mac Thatcher.
0: Hey, John. So you're playing for Jess Warner, and this is a true or false question.
4: Okay. <clears throat> All right. Hey, can I can I go ahead and you say Jess Warner? <laughs> yes. Jess, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> going to apologize up to you up front. Yeah.
0: So the prize is a Gamekeeper Phil fleece vest. So this is a true or false. During the Lewis and Clark expedition and afterwards for many years, coyotes were referred to as prairie wolves. True
4: or false? I do not know for sure, but I would say probably true.
3: Oh, yeah. That's ah, true. he got it. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and there for a long time. That's what they were called. Yeah, so I, I need to – so, Jess, you win the prize. The uh, Mac, thank you. Good job there. So, Toxie, I didn't get to ask you, do you say coyote or coyote? He's already said
6: that. I probably say something different every time. That's kind of the way I do things. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah, so I say both, yeah, yeah. coyotes, coyotes. Evidently I do too, but I thought I said coyotes. And I
6: kind of, because of the kids, the first one that did it was so cute when it was a little bitty thing was David Hawley. Mm-hmm. But then even my granddaughters now, and they call them, we say something, they call them cow like just like cows. cow <laughs> Papa heard some cow by the pond. And so <laughs> I, I might just call them cow there you go
3: well john thank you so much for being with us and we look forward to doing some more stuff with you in the future
4: yes sir thanks for having us on for sure all right
3: we'll tell everybody they can go to foxpro.com check out check out john and his go go foxpro.com Yep. okay now that's perfect i'll be there yeah and we'll have it in our show notes so guys can check that out so thank you john so much thanks john thanks john that was good great job Wow! Well, wow! It does seem like I mean it's something I would I think I would really enjoy doing. I've never done the electronic call. Well,
1: I mean I, I think I, the hunt would be fun, but you know, ha, knowing the impact you're having on our uh, more desired species, you know, and that pushes me over the line for sure. So. I'm seeing more of them than I ever. Oh, there. no look doubt. Look at your about trail it. cameras; they'll they're tell anywhere. the picture. Yeah, and yeah. and to your point too, if you probably go back and look at the video on most of your cow pictures, there's more than one. Probably so. Yeah, I think I, you said that. I'm like, oh my god. I've only been to get a picture of one. There's no telling how many are really out there right behind them. So. Right. It's amazing how slick they are.
2: They've outslicked they, they me for a long, long time. Hard. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It just yeah.
2: sounds like something fun to do. And and like Toxie was saying, you know, there may be a track that you don't think you're going to get permission to hunt deer or turkey on. But if you go say, hey, can I try to call in some coyotes? Oh, yeah. They may say yeah. yes. And then you may mm-hmm. earn a right to.
1: Maybe. It could. So, yep.
2: Th- yeah, I mean, in like-
6: you know, today's A&A, day and age, I mean, anything legitimate you can do is is a big deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So, look,
3: guys, I'd like to just kind of hit the pause button for a second. Okay. And uh, so, in in our community, in mm. the, in the last few days, we we had a, it was a tragic loss, and I'm looking at Toxie; he's hurting. I can tell it, but I just think that we ought to say. A, tell the uh, the brian family that we're thinking Absolutely. about him it's uh mr george brian passed away and, and we've has had a long relationship there but the, at the very you know the mossy golf, golf course, course there's right. just so much and yeah. toxic would, would you would you can you say a few words or
6: i mean i wouldn't know how you could say just a few words to be honest um it's been tough um um you know the the um uh, they're having the uh, funeral, actual funeral, not just a ceremony, at the Mossy Oak course um, on Wednesday, which is two days from now. And the family's asked me to speak, so I take it as the highest honor and the highest responsibility to do that. Um, it's tough, you know. I don't want to. I haven't ever gotten teared up on a podcast before, but um, his influence on me goes way back before I ever even met him, because. He is who my dad walked, walked alongside and worked alongside in building the whole Brian Foods business. And so uh, he's the one that said something to daddy about, hey, why don't we see see if he wants to come to work for us. I'll bring him on board. I I want some local, you know, family related to us, uh, young people to go through any, you know, I'm going to put them through extra management and training. So I mean I got my shot at life and my MBA was at Sarah Lee because of George Bryan. One hundred percent. And because of that, the whole idea of Mossy Oak was born. So it goes back, um, his contribution to all this. Not to mention you could go on forever and ever, the legacy of the man and what he's done and all the awards. But I say this one thing. He probably has more friends globally than anybody I've ever known and for being such an icon of a guy he's the most caring and down-to-earth uh person you spend time with him i might i spend sometimes three hours in a car or truck on a ride with him and you get out and you think man i'm pretty special i got a lot going on you know and it's not hardly really ever a word about himself you know he's just Mm-mm. that kind of selfless person he's left a mark on forever and then this whole miracle of the uh Mossy of course. I encourage everybody to just kind of go to that and uh, look at the pictures of what's been done here. It's uh, what just in a few years is one of the top courses in the country, and it's due to his vision and his. Uh, you know, he had that ambition, and I say it all the time: that like, how did he do all this stuff? He's, he's, uh, you know, a brilliant guy. He's a great leader. Um, he's had, of course, exquisite training in the world of business through his career at Sara Lee and stuff, but he's an artist and what he did every day of his life since he started these golf courses is he got up every day and he painted and they started somewhere and it just got better and better and better and better over time until just recently golf magazine voted the number one course in the state of Mississippi is now Mossy Oak, just like four or five years old. And the number two rated course in the state right with it is old Waverly. And both of them are in little West point. So what he's done, I uh, could go on and on, uh, is immeasurable, and I hope they, they hear this. Uh, I got to see him the last night when I knew that was it. I went to the house with a great friend of mine, Boyce Adams, and got to whisper my love, and he's my hero, and Wilkes was like, squeeze my hand if you can hear him, Daddy, he squeezed his hand. So hmm. That's awesome. Man, That's it, was a, it was a yeah. surreal experience. Yeah, yeah. Nothing but love. That's one <laughs> thing I'll say. Read Corinthians. He was all about love and love of people.
2: He treated every person he met like they were important people. He sure did. Absolutely. Every, every
6: single person. Everybody. Everybody. We had a multi Dudley, included Greg Briggs, Tom, Lanny. I mean it got lip Bill obviously serving on boards and stuff. A huge amount of people here at this company contributing and being a part of getting that course and getting going. And it didn't matter where where they, I mean, if they were, you know, working in the warehouse or they're an executive, it made no difference to him. They were all equal. Just, you know, it's honestly, it's a great lesson for people to think about, you know, I know that old saying, what would Jesus do, but how does God look at people? I mean, I'm no important than anyone else. And that's the way George was. I mean, to a degree, as much as humanly possible, he, just like Dully said, he cared about everybody. And boy, what a legacy, if you could leave one, you know, through our walk in Mossy Oak with people, is like spread that kind of you know love through the world. You know, and treating everybody with care and grace. Yeah, you know, he's the guy to go look up to about it. Yeah, he is.
3: Well, I can I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your eyes. You're yep. hurting. Yep. And uh, and I know the family will appreciate hearing the words you just you just spoke about him. And uh, and everybody feels that way. Yep. I'm, I'm kind of looking around the room. So. I think guy look Dudley we to, let, let's let's end on that note right yeah. there let's 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 uh mm-hmm. kind of a tribute to Mr. Brian Absolutely. He what what a great. Well, I mean, he just it's a great guy. He was you know my wife worked for him for a while and she just had the utmost respect. Oh my gosh, just, he's amazing. And
6: he yeah. loved this brand. He loved it so much. I mean his wife Martha would say all the time. He just adored Everything going on at myself and what we're about, he had such an impact on it in these later years. Well, mm-hmm.
3: I think he was proud of you. I, I, think, I mean, you won't say that, but I think that's a lot of what was going on there. Because I mean, he watched you do it all. No, so, yeah. he really did. So, look, guys, Lanny, I'm looking at you. Let's go kill some coyotes. Soon. Yeah. Uh, we, we need, oh, so, yeah, save the phones, save the poles. So, I'm going. I'm gonna look. We're gonna we're gonna get one of these Fox Pro units, and we're gonna
6: give it away to our our. Our, uh, give it away to our founder? Isn't to, that what you're going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the We're winner try is... we first. <laughs> yeah. We'll try
3: yeah. it first, but then we'll give it away to some of our listeners. Yeah.
1: So,
6: But I'm just
3: super impressed with their equipment and oh, with exactly. John and yes. all those guys. So uh, it looks like something that would be a lot of fun come February when... when uh,
6: Missing the boat out there, folks, if you don't get on board with this one. Mm-hmm.
3: I You know what? I, I'm not... I, I can just tell I'm going to struggle being a trapper, but I think I would really enjoy doing that.
6: You, you definitely definitely i won't go i won't beat you up on there yeah, yeah. definitely yeah
3: all right well look i'm looking at mac you got anything to add we got richie back over here guys so we're proud to see that he stayed right? away yeah, he look at there he did and uh <laughs> all right landon good to see you i know you got folks in town you're fixing to travel or go go leave or but uh glad you showed up well i appreciate you while. having me bobby <laughs> i didn't know you were leaving well, i'm not leaving i'm just
1: going out to your place okay, okay.
3: <laughs> all right dudley you got anything to add No, I'm good. All right, well, say goodbye, Dudley.
1: Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Mac. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune
2: in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuzz Strickland.